Hi, I'm Adam McKay, and welcome to Bedtime Stories with Adam McKay, the show where we improvise a bedtime story to hopefully help you ease into a wonderful night of sleep during these crazy, bonkers times that we're living through. Harry is currently dimming the lights in uh, the Hyper Object Podcast Studio. It's in the middle of the day, but it's quite relaxing. It's cozy. Yeah, it's downright cozy. I could sleep anywhere. You could sleep her, Harry? Not extremely. I mean, I'm getting better, I think. My wife, it drives her crazy because I get on a plane and within minutes, I'm asleep. Trains, cars, anywhere, anything moving I don't know if that's a skill or not, or if that's uh, some deeply dysfunctional aspect that I'm presenting as a skill. But yeah, I've never had much of a problem falling asleep. So uh, the lights are dimmed. I hope you're listening to this in bed or perhaps taking a nap. Either way is fine. Or maybe you just want to hear an improvised, slightly meandering, bizarre story. Harry, you want to just give me anything, a word, an image, uh, anything you want? Sure. How about the word platinum? Oh, that's a good word. Platinum. There's something swiping at our face. There's like a quick flash and then blackness. And then once again, it comes in, but it's more of a thwack. We now see that there's a man in a platinum jumpsuit and he's kicking up in the air at a target. We've been seeing his foot coming right at us as he does perfectly extended roundhouse kicks and straight kicks one after another. This gentleman is a very bland looking guy If you saw him committing a crime, it would be almost impossible to describe him. Uh, He's around 5'10", brownish hair, but not too dark. Almost no distinguishing facial features. Very hard guy to describe, except for the fact that he's wearing a platinum jumpsuit. And he is training in martial arts in what we now realize is his own private gym. You ever seen that wooden punching dummy they use in martial arts, Harry, that has like the poles sticking out of it? And yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a name for that, but I don't know it. He's got that. He's got the weird muscular torso guy with the crew cut with no arms, that rubbery punching dummy that you use. He's got a straight heavy bag. All across one wall are different martial arts weapons, incredibly elaborate Sai, which are the single-handed swords. He's got nunchucks. He's got a joe stick, a bow stick. He's got all kinds of weapons. I mean, this is an outfitted room. And we can tell it's private because outside the window, you see that he's in a neighborhood. And uh, parked in the front driveway of the house is a Chevy Suburban. By the way, he doesn't seem to sweat either. He's got a perfect part on the left side of his hair, just right across one of those parts where the hair almost looks sculpted, like a younger version of the football coach, Jimmy Johnson, or like an action figure. 
And after a while, there's a knock on the door and we hear a woman's voice, honey, breakfast. And uh, he continues with the kicks, the straight kicks, where his foot goes well above his head. The door opens and we see his wife. His wife is very pretty. And without exaggeration, even though we can tell from the car in the driveway that it's current day, she looks like she's a 50s housewife. She's wearing like an apron with flowers on it and her hair is in a big, bold ponytail. And she's holding a plate of bacon and scrambled eggs and toast where it's all been arranged in a smiley face. And he says, uh, I'm almost done, honey. Let me finish my training. And she says, Alan, you're running late. And he says, I know, I'm coming. And the gentleman that we now know is named Alan unzips his jumpsuit. And we see that underneath it, he's actually wearing work pants, a white shirt. And he, as he reaches over to the counter by the side of the door, he puts on a clip-on tie, slips out of the jumpsuit, and walks into the kitchen where two small children are uh, also eating breakfast. A little girl uh, around six years old and a boy around eight years old. Hi, Dad! They say in perfect unison like they're out of a cereal commercial. They don't really have cereal commercials much anymore these days. Have you noticed that, Harry? Cereal commercials? I feel like people get the idea, you know? You don't really? Need, yeah. When I was a kid, they hammered us with cereal commercials. There are a lot of mascots and stuff. Yeah. But. I mean, they pounded us. I just don't see as many. And and by the way, they were the iconic commercials of the time. They had like Life Cereal. Hey, Mikey. Mikey will try it. He likes anything. Like there were all these catchphrases. Now it's insurance commercials, right? Yeah. Anyway, these kids look like they would be in some like bank or insurance commercial trying to make you believe that their boardroom remotely cares about families and isn't just entirely driven by raw naked shareholder value. So Alan sits at the table and eats breakfast with his family while his wife cleans up and talks to him. Says, so today's the big day. Yeah, it is, it is. I don't like to think of it as a big day. I like to think of it as a day that I'm prepared for. Of course, well, that's why you're good at what you do. And he reaches over and tussles his kid's hair in a very commercial-like way and asks them how they're doing. I'm good, Dad. I made a volcano for school. And the little girl says, I'm good, Dad. Katie Lynn says she's my best friend. Oh, that's what I like to hear, he says. He brushes his shirt to smooth out the wrinkles from wearing a platinum jumpsuit over it while doing the martial arts workout. And sure enough, there's no pit stains. Somehow this guy just does not sweat. We hear a little beeping go off and we look at his watch. He's wearing one of those digital watches that were popular in the 80s that had all kinds of little buttons around the side of it. It's hard to tell if he's being fashionable and ironic by wearing it now or if he's just really wearing a digital Texas Instruments watch from the 1980s. Well, I've got to go. I want to be on time. Of course you do. She comes over, gives him a nice big kiss with her bright, like super bright red lipstick, and then immediately takes out a towel and wipes the lipstick off of him. And then she reaches his hand around to his back buttocks and gives it a way too overtly caress, especially with the children there. But the children just look at each other and giggle, sort of embarrassed, but also happy that their parents like each other. 
She's like, you have a great day and I'll have a special treat for you when you're home. I think you know what that treat is. He kisses her back and also grabs her ass and they sort of almost grind for a second. But then once again, his watch goes off, almost like he had put an extra alarm for time to grind with my wife in front of the breakfast table and the children. And just like that, he's outside the door and he's behind the wheel of the Chevy Suburban. As he pulls away, we see the second car for his wife and children is actually a pretty nasty looking sports car, a jet black Maserati. You would have thought he would have jumped into that and left the Chevy Suburban, but no, he's behind the wheel of the Chevy Suburban as he drives down the street and goes through a very, what I guess people would have called the middle-class neighborhood in the 60s, 70s, and the 80s. But now, as we know, all the prices have skyrocketed. So middle-class homes, but many of the driveways filled with Mercedes, BMWs, very expensive cars. You can tell this is one of those neighborhoods where there's no longer people with the GI Bill moving in to go to college and make their profession as a plumber. These houses are all definitely going for north of a million, if not two. And he cruises down this long road until he gets to the main boulevard and takes a right, drives past many different chain restaurants, Captain Krabby Shack Shack, Me Like the Meatballs Italian restaurant, That's Good Vino, a wine bar chain restaurant, What's the Dawat? Wat? Uh, Ethiopian chain restaurants. And uh, he's pulling up to the boulevard and he's about to get on the highway when boom! Another car hits the Chevy Suburban, shattering the glass, folding the Chevy Suburban, almost like someone stepped on a Kleenex box, and completely slamming Alan's head onto the steering wheel big bloody cut on his forehead. Just from watching it, you can feel the high pitch ring in your ear as concussions are given out to the car that hit him and to him. Well, in the other car, a gentleman gets out and he's in his early 60s wearing a rumpled suit, holding a cigarette and a flip phone in the other hand that he was clearly texting on. And he's driving a 2004 Honda Accord that's just filled with empty cans and garbage and scraped. And God damn, he says, I am so sorry. I gotta be honest, I wasn't paying a lick of attention, but Alan is out of it. He says, who's there? What, what happened? What happened? I'm late. Sure enough, his Texas Instruments digital watch starts beeping. He's late. Ah, I was coming around this corner and I had to text my fucking son who lives in Delaware, won't get a job. And I, I got to admit, I just didn't even see you. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. 
Well, by then, some cop cars start pulling up. You know, is everything okay here? Cars are driving by. They're honking their horns. They're blocking the main entranceway to the highway. And uh, the police take charge. This guy's going to need an ambulance. And uh, he's on his radio in his squad car, and they're calling for an ambulance. We hear sirens in the distance. And the sort of disheveled, messy guy in his early 60s in the Honda Accord just says, I'm so goddamn sorry. Ah, man, I feel like a jackass. Uh, my name's William. Just call me Bill. Alan is totally out of it. He's just holding his head in his hands. I mean, he's not seriously injured. There's not like a dent in his skull, but he's he's messed up. He's definitely got a serious concussion. He's not going to make the appointment he was headed to. But Bill hands over all the insurance papers and he says, you know what? I've had three of these in the past six months and all three of them were my goddamn fault. And the officer said, you can't do that. I got to give you a ticket for texting. And he's like, I'll write the ticket for you. Ah, man, I didn't I didn't see him at all. I'll be honest, I barely saw him after I hit him. <laughs> None of the police laugh. Alan just groans. William leans in, looks at Alan's watch and says, ah, God damn it. I was late to begin with. Now I'm late for being late. I got to get out of here. Well, the police says not until we exchange insurance information. I get your information, which we go to a, a wide shot as we see all the traffic that is backed up around this accident. Horns honking. Dozens of people are now going to be late for all kinds of different appointments, whether it was with a dentist, whether it was to give a presentation in some sort of office mall conference room, whether it was simply to go uh, visit an elderly parent, all kinds of late excuses are being texted. In fact, we see these late excuses being texted shooting into the air from this wide scene of traffic. And we hear snippets of voices of people apologizing for being late. By the time we go back to William and Alan and the police officer, they've exchanged all the insurance work. And William, who's got a big old peeled up front fender, just says, I, I, you know, I feel like a heel saying this, but I, I got to go. I think I've done everything to do. And the officer says, yeah, you've done everything you can do here. And so William gets in the car of his 2000 filthy Accord which smells like cigarette smoke and garbage all over the floor, empty fast food cups. For some reason, even a, a first baseman's mitt, there's no way this guy plays in a softball league, but there's a first baseman's mitt in there. And then we realize in the back of the car, something rustles and he's got a dog, some sort of cross between a Wiener schnitzel and a shepherd who was already a cross with something else. This thing is ugly. It's got splotches of hair missing, some kind of mange, and it just barks and barks. And uh, William reaches over and pets it. He's like, ah, take it easy, Ford. We're going now. You wonder, did he name the dog after the car, Ford, or the ex-president? And uh, William bombs off down the road with his front fender dragging, making that sound as he pulls away. And William drives, and he takes a left, and he goes down the same neighborhood that Alan just drove up. And we even see him driving, uh, approaching Alan's house, which surely he's not going there. We, we got to wonder where he is going in this neighborhood. If fairly affluent neighborhood, even though the houses are really middle-class houses from the 50s and 60s. But no, in fact, he stops right at Alan's house and 
pulls into the driveway next to the jet black Maserati. And uh, he says, Ford, you wait here. And he opens up a already half-eaten Slim Jim and he gives the other half of the Slim Jim to Ford who chokes it down with such speed that the second it's gone, Ford has already forgotten that he's even eaten it. And the windows are down and Ford sits in the back of the car panting as disheveled William with a cigarette in his hand, his flip phone in his pocket, makes his way to the front door. And uh, he knocks on the door. The door opens and it's Alan's wife. Oh, William, hello. I'm so glad to see you. And she leans in and they kiss. Not a friendly kiss, a deep, sensuous, tongue kiss kiss. She says, I've been waiting for you to get here. The kids just got picked up for school. The house is ours. And just like that, they're in the house and William is kicking off his shoes and he's like, ah, I feel so bad. I just hit some son of a bitch with my car because I was trying to text you and I was thinking about you. And she's just still in that 50s apron just says, oh, fuck him and fuck everyone. And just like that, they're in the bedroom and her apron is off, her skirt is off, his pants are off. We see his wrinkled body with uh, some scars on the back from having a melanoma removed and a, a blurry tattoo on his left arm that's no longer distinguishable. But for the next 20 minutes, they proceed to have just glorious sex. I mean, really creative, passionate, both of them making loud sounds, all kinds of different positions until finally William climaxes with a loud groan and holy moly! And Alan's wife, we haven't learned her name yet, but her name's Katrina, she also climaxes, oh, oh, lordy! And just like that, both of them flop over in the bed, exhausted as though they've run a marathon. And William reaches down on the floor and pulls up his pack of cigarettes. Paul Mall hands one to her. He takes one, lights them both, and they just lay there staring at the ceiling. Meanwhile, Alan has jumped in an Uber and is giving the Uber driver an extra $20 to speed. And they are barreling down the highway until finally the exit comes up. He's like, this is it, this is it. And the driver's like, yeah, no, I have GPS. And they pull over and they pull into the parking lot of a brown brick building. And Alan jumps out of the car, putting on his suit jacket, tan suit jacket, and runs in. And after he runs in, we tilt up and we see there's a cross on top of the building. It's a church. And the church is packed. It's a big church. Must be 3,000 people there. And Alan goes running down the aisle, runs up, jumps on the pulpit and says, my God, I'm so sorry I'm late. <sighs> Let us pray. The end. So I hope you're sleeping. I hope your mind got loose. There's a lot of questions with that story, wouldn't you say, Harry? Yeah, I, I, a lot, of, a lot of questions. I also a lot of times in the story where you screamed, which, as your producer going forward, not great for a bedtime story. Not great, not great. Harry's right. I'm not going to argue with him <laughs> at all. Um, hopefully, I didn't yell too much. 
And hopefully there's some images in there you can think about just tossing your brain. There are a lot of questions in there. Yep. What kind of church was that Alan's going to? What kind of... Is it related to the martial arts at all? Yeah. How is he that, like, weird, sexualized 1950s world that he's coming from? Well, that kind of makes sense, though, I guess, if he's talking at a semi-mega church. Yeah. Oh, God, why is, why is William with his wife? What happened to Ford? Ford's in the car. Ford's panting with the windows down. Yeah, okay. And there's plenty of, like, half-eaten fast food back there he can eat. And honestly, if Ford really needs to, he can piss in the backseat. Yeah. Yeah, William won't, won't care. Notice, yeah. No. And even sometimes Williams, when he's gone in to meet with Katrina or some, uh, honestly, William sleeps around. There's other women, too. Sometimes Ford even jumps out the window, walks around the neighborhood, rips open garbage bags. Sure. And then there's strewn garbage all over the street, and a neighbor will come out and yell at William, who just hold up a middle finger and get in his car and drive away. Yeah. Yeah. Very thematically linked to those two. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another effed up bedtime story with Adam McKay and Harry Nelson. Bedtime Stories with Adam McKay is a production of Hyperobject Industries and Sony Music Entertainment. It's executive produced by Adam McKay, Claire Slaughter, and me, Harry Nelson, with production assistance by Jordan Allen and Zaley Mahone. Engineering, sound design, and original score by Isaac Lee. Thanks for listening, and if you're dreaming right now, imagine that I'm like flying around. Hey, Bob. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha.